This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're never the same. And God, I thank you for the Spirit of the Lord that's here, that's moving in our hearts and our lives. And God, I, I just thank you for your presence and your power to deliver this word. And God, we open our hearts and ears to hear in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to jump in fairly quick because I uh, have a lot I want to cover. But before I get started, just so you know how I like jokes, just a little joke. I've been getting some good reviews lately, so that spurs me on. So, <laughs> a man and his wife were having some problems at home. And we're giving each other the silent treatment. The next week, the man realized that he would need his wife to wake him up at 5 a.m. for an early morning business flight to Chicago. Not wanting to be the first to break the silence, he finally wrote on a piece of paper, Please wake me up at 5 a.m. The next morning, the man woke up only to discover it was 9 a.m., he had missed his flight, furious. He was about to go and see why his wife hadn't woke him up when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed. It said, it is 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> All the ladies are clapping. <laughs> but we're going to continue with our series Father's Design for Marriage. And, and ladies, let me encourage you. I know last week I heard many comments, and uh, last week was really about you and respecting and honoring your, your husband. But today we're going to talk about the men. So I told you we're uh, equal uh, opportunity. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Never mind. You'll get it. <laughs> So Father's design for marriage. You know, he is the master designer. He's the architect of marriage. So if you want to be blessed, you need to do things his way. If you want to know how to have a blessed marriage, maybe we should go to the designer. Maybe we should go to the one who created it in the first place. And we've been learning some things, and we've seen that the Word of God is the final authority that in the Word is all the answers and solutions to really every issue of life. And we've seen that you reach your full potential as a husband with the help of your wife. The wife reaches her full potential with the help of her husband. It's a coming together in the covenant that causes the grace of God to flow in your lives. And we need to have any. Anytime we've ever needed godly marriages and those that are by Father's design, now is the time. As the world tries to even tell us what marriage is and changes the master design to man's design, which is totally off base. So we need to know what God has to say. The truth is we will all stand before God and we'll stand and give an account of our responsibilities in, in the marriage, or what our role was, what our responsibility was, we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for that. Because it's really a calling, it's, it's covenant that God takes seriously. He takes it so seriously, the Word says that when you get married, when you go through those vows, that it's not only between you and your, your spouse, but God watches. And God is a participant in that that setting, when you go into covenant with each other, you're actually cutting covenant with Him. That's how strong this thing is. It's been undermined. It's been said it's not that big a deal. Just discard it. But that's not the way God views it. It's very strong when you look at the, the language in which it is written. So marriage success first requires submitting to God. This should be a a known, but really it's, it's not. If you're not 
first seeking His kingdom and His righteousness, you will never, ever be fulfilled in your marriage. It won't happen. Because you'll always be looking for those deepest needs, those deep longings of your heart that only God can meet. So you'll never have that, that fulfillment that God wants you to have until you put Him first. Until you're, until you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seeking Him first. So last week we looked at the wife submitting to her husband by respecting and honoring. And how do you do it? You do it by faith. It's, it's a faith. It's a walk of faith. But I want to speak for just a moment about that. If it is an abusive situation, you do not submit to that. You do not, if your uh, life's in danger, if it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, if your, your kids are being damaged or there's um, danger, you need to get out. You need to get, get help. Now, let me say something about emotional abuse. It could be that you just had an argument and you think you're being abused. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. But you do not need to be in that situation. God has not called you to that. Your home's to be a place of peace, a refuge from this world. So I just wanted to add that uh, in case we have some and just recently dealt with a, a lady who was having some issues, was being uh, in an abusive situation. God hasn't called you to that. Get out. Don't, don't put up with that. Amen? And then what about the single person? Well, the single person, that's the beauty of the family of God. Now, if it's a young woman and living at home, she submits to her father, parents. She submits to the parents, and, but to that spiritual father and her natural father, she submits and and there can be spiritual fathers too. If her father's not walking with God, there can be spiritual fathers. When she comes down the aisle at the wedding ceremony and her arm is in her dad's arm and he comes and he releases her to her future husband there during the ceremony, what he's doing, he's releasing that place of protecting and uh, providing responsibility for her off to him. That's what that is. And that's what we see in the Word as far as the, the, the marriage. What about the young men? Young men are submit to spiritual fathers or their natural father. What about single women who are uh, not at home anymore? There's the church. We're a family. Spiritual fathers in the house that they can come and get help and get that because they need someone at times. Not that they're not capable. It's just a need. They're designed that way. Everybody said amen. And let me say this. I had this years ago. A person was uh, engaged to someone. They came to me and said, I need help. What's wrong? Well, this person I'm engaged to is not submitting to me. They're not supposed to submit to you. They submit to you after marriage. Right now, they're submit, submitted to their father. What you get into is someone crossing the boundaries, and I, I start to question the motive and what's going on in their life. Because you're still in the phase that you're watching and you're looking and you're hearing from God. And that's where you listen to those around you that can see and discern things. It's for protection. All this is for protection. Okay, so 1 Kings, we'll talk about men some. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. He charged Solomon his son, saying, I will go the way of all the earth. Be strong. Therefore, improve yourself a man. Say, prove yourself a man. 
and keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, His judgments, and His testimony as written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and, where, and wherever you turn. What was Joshua? Be strong and be courageous. Be of good courage. See, the world says that a man has to manipulate, claw, and uh, put number one, him first to get to the top. But Jesus said, a real man will serve the Lord his God and follow after his commands. That's what a man is. That's a strong man according to the word of God. According to the world, no. I'd rather have it according to what God says than what the world says. You want to prove yourself to be a man? I see how you're following God. I see how you're serving God. I see how you're following His commandments and what He says as the final authority in your life. You're a man when you do that. Before that, no. Jesus said stronger men go against popular culture and follow God, obey Him, and serve Him. So ladies, you looking for a real man? That's what a real man is. A good marriage, and this is in your notes, a good marriage is hard work and the responsibility is on the husband's shoulders. The husband is responsible for the marriage. That, that's what the Word tells us. And we're going to get into that. God designed the man to be able to fulfill his wife's needs. But if you don't know her needs, you'll not fulfill her needs. You need to know the needs of your wife that you can be responsible to see that those needs are met because God holds you responsible. If God was coming to visit you and see how your marriage was doing, he would knock on the door, your wife would answer, and he would say, Is your husband here? Come, and he'd say, Give an account. I want to know. The man's responsible. Ephesians 5, verse 25. This is, I told you, this is the blueprint for a successful marriage. This is the blueprint. And we can learn about all relationships from this. But let me remind you here that that the word gives us a comparison that the husband and wife is comparable to the relationship of Christ and the church. You need to understand that uh, as we read this. Christ is the picture of the husband in the marriage. The church is the picture of the wife in the marriage. So when you get that understanding, it helps you um, follow what God wants us to do as, as men and women. As husbands and wives. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Respects and honors. We talked about that. So here it says that the man is to love his wife just like Christ loves the church. So we need to see what does that mean? How does Christ love the church? And let me throw this out. The number one need of the wife is security. The number one need of the wife is security. 
she has to know that you are totally committed to her. And she can sense this, if you're totally committed or not. And it gives her security when she knows you are all out, totally committed to her. Now, how committed is Jesus to the church? Last time I checked, he's pretty committed. Last time I checked, he gave his life for the church. He spilled his blood for the church. He is totally committed to the church being nourished and and cherished and fully um, brought to maturity. He's committed. Well, husbands, you're to be that committed to your wife. You're to be committed just as Christ is committed to the church. It changes everything when you understand this. But husband, you've been equipped with the ability to bring her security. When she senses that you're not totally committed to her, she becomes very insecure. But we want her to be secure. She's more emotional, so words and actions get to her heart. What God plants in her, we're to cultivate, we're to develop, and to help bring out of her. But I, I want to talk about this, that how is she made? She is made to receive words. She's made to receive and discern actions and body language and, and tones. She can detect if you're not totally committed. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You want some security in your wife? Just tell her, I'm never going to leave you. You can kick me out, but I'm staying. (laughs) I'm not going nowhere. I'm totally committed to you. She'll start, hey, I think he, he means this. In 1 Peter chapter 3. One thing I want to say too on this totally committed. It's got to be in your heart that you're totally committed whatever. Say whatever. I've had men tell me, well, pastor, you just don't understand my wife. I need a new model. I said, no, you don't. They're the same under the hood. (laughs) Oh, pastor, you just don't know my wife. She's crazy. It's your fault. You let her run around with crazy people. You've got to put her first in your life. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, you know we joke a lot about we don't understand, women don't understand our wives. There's all kinds of jokes, you know, men and women don't understand we're different we we are different but it's interesting to me that God says to understand them (laughs) and you know our natural thing is man we go impossible well he's the God of impossibilities and he said to understand it must be possible to understand and you have to do it with God's help and you do it by faith and you start Coming to a place of understanding. Say understanding. The Bible's commanding the husbands to understand. Now men and women are different. And we we know this. Let me just give you some information. Men and women are different at conception. At conception the embryo possesses chromosomes that determine the gender of a child. It's not conception. As a male baby develops... The connections between the white, right and left brain diminish. 
when you think your man's disconnected, he's, he is. I mean, there is some disconnection there. I remember reading one time, it's a few years back, but uh, some women had written in this, this uh, doctor and saying, you know, I asked my husband, where are you thinking? And he says, I don't know. And the doctor's answer was very enlightening and said, it could be true. He don't know what he's thinking. Hallelujah. (laughs) The female baby develops more connectors growing between the right and left brain. So her brain is fully functioning. (laughs) Women therefore have a greater processing power. And when I explain this, you'll understand uh, exactly what that means. Male have a 10% larger brain than females. That's the reason we're smarter than females. But all the test scores show that we're equal in intelligence. Men have 6.5 times more gray matter, which is the thinking matter in the brain. Women have 9.5 times more white matter, which is the processing matter. By nature, she processes things uh, differently. She has processing skills uh, that are very uh, developed. and It's really thinking plus emotions. There's this, this different processing that men have. Ours would be called thinking. Hers is called processing. One-third of the male's brain is sexually oriented. Women's sexual part of the brain is the size of an almond. That should answer a lot of your questions right there. Okay. (laughs) One-third of the woman's brain is communication oriented. The male's communication part is the size of an almond. Now, you see, when you study this, you just kind of, God, what were you doing? But he knows what he's doing, and he's putting these two different ones together, and he wants those two to become one. And the only way you can do it is with this help. So by design, men are designed to be the sowers and the initiators. I sort of say givers, but... Really, sowing is the, gives us the picture of planting seed in the garden. Because really, that's what the scriptures, it's more that we're planting seed. Just like Jesus sows the word to us and it's planted in our heart, the husband sows actions and sows, sows word and, and body language and all these things, sows it into his wife's heart. He's the initiator. Jesus first loved us, and then we love him. The first one to say, I love you, should be the man. If it's you, if it's a lady, something's wrong, it's out of order, it should be come first from the man, because he's the initiator. He's following after the example of Jesus. Women are designed to be receivers and responders. She receives and she responds. She receives seed from her husband and brings forth new life. She receives what the husband sows into her heart and her soul, and she incubates it. What do I mean by that? I mean that she will process it. She processes it. She will, another word would be she broods over it. She broods over it. Just like a hen broods over the life in that egg till it comes forth. She broods over it. Have you ever, this will happen to you, husband, that your wife will say something and you'll go, didn't we talk about that? We just talked about that yesterday and the day before that. What's she doing? She's brooding. Or another word, be meditating on it. Meditation. You've got to understand that's the way 
that she is designed. There's nothing wrong with it. She's designed that way. But we need to have that understanding. That's the reason you don't just give the answer. See, we're, our thinking is, well, here's all you got to do. Wrong. You're messing up her meditation time. She's brooding. She's explaining. She doesn't want your input. She probably already knows the answer, but by let her process and let that baby deliver. Don't stop it. What? That's the way she's designed. She's bringing it forth. So let her just listen. That's a, oh, that's a great tip there. She receives for her husband, sows in her heart and soul, and incubates it until it comes to pass, or until life is given to it. I had a friend worked with, and he had gotten frustrated. He was really frustrated at work, and he realized he was carrying it home, and he was sowing some wrong seeds in, into his wife. And he said one day he came home, he said the wrong thing, and she just blew up. Why? Because she had been meditating on that. It had been brooding inside of her. And all of a sudden, where he's fussing, she's fuming on the inside. And out it comes. And he leaves, slams the door. He said he peeled off in, the, in his car. He is flying. He's going, she's wrong, she's wrong. And he's talking to the Lord. And he goes, I'm right, Lord, I'm right. And he said, the Lord spoke to him. He said he'd never heard the Lord speak like this. And said, I was right too, but I went to the cross. Would you rather be right and alone? Or would you rather be right with your wife and God? Because Jesus went to the cross for you. That means, husband, sometimes... You have to die to what you're thinking and don't say it. And let her talk. And learn to sow good seeds. Because here's the truth. Wherever you sow, you will reap. That harvest will come forth. That's the reason the man's responsible because he's responsible for planting the seeds and the encouragement and the nourishment to his wife. And that you can tell from the fruit and the harvest that comes forth. I told you, ladies. <laughs> the husband's responsible. So women are great meditators. And they're great communicators. We're all called to meditate on the Word of God. What do we do? We take it into our heart. We take that seed into us, the incorruptible seed. And we keep it there. And we meditate on it until it brings forth life she does that naturally she's created to do that Colossians 3 19 husbands love your wives do not be bitter towards them husbands must sow love and peace and patience and kindness not bitterness see it may take 5 years 10 years 15 years but if you keep sowing the wrong thing, if you're sowing bitterness, that baby will come forth. There's been men that have gone home and nobody was there. Well, I thought we were fine. There's never been a problem with us. Well, the crop just came, the baby just came forth. The baby called bitterness just came forth. It's your fault because you were planning the wrong thing. All right, back to 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Do you understand what your wife enjoys? Do you have an understanding? Do you understand what irritates her? Do you understand... Her strengths. Do you understand her weaknesses? A weakness, you're called to help her overcome that. 
How can you do that in the way that Jesus does? To nurture and encourage and help. What can you do? You've got to study her, talk to her, observe her. After the marriage, you've got to still date her. You've got to still pursue her. You know, Jesus still pursues us. He's still in love with us. And talk. Friendship is foundation of your marriage. She's to be your best friend. And after, after you walk in this and you're doing the best you can following after the Lord, you start getting understanding. You'll start thinking the same thing at the same time. Why? Two are becoming one. We keep walking with the Lord. We start saying what He would say. Two become one. That's what God wants. The molding together. You are called by God to take the responsibility. It's in your notes. Take the responsibility, husbands, to know her. To know her. Now I often thought, well God, why didn't you have, say that to the, the women? To know the husbands. And this is why I believe. She's already done that. She studied you and knows you. She does it naturally. She processes. She knows all about you. But you have to be told to get understanding. <laughs> but the lifelong joy of getting to know her. Well, Pastor, I knew her five years ago. Well, she changes, and you've changed too. You keep growing, you keep moving. So you've got to continue to know her. Continue that lifetime joy of knowing her. Take the kids out alone sometimes. Give her a break. <laughs> Bless her. It says, honor her as the weaker vessel. It doesn't say that she's weaker. Honor her as the weaker vessel. That means if there's a pressure or a heaviness, you pick up the heavy load and you take it. Can she handle it? Absolutely. But you take it. That's what he's saying. You honor her by taking those loads, lifting those heavy weights. When it says vessel here, it's talking about the, the physical body and, and you know, your, your strength. But it's more than that. Those things that weigh her emotionally, what can you lift to take off of her? It'll make all the difference. It'll bring peace and security to her. Why? Because you're showing love to her. You don't want that stress, that, that pressure on her where you can come along. See, we think differently. We don't put emotion with it. That's why you see a lot more men hunting than women. Because a man could shoot Bambi, Bambi and eat Bambi with no emotion. A woman might get out there, that's Bambi. We see things differently. A woman sees a, a tree and says, how uh, beautiful. A man sees a tree and says, I'm taking an axe and make some firewood out of that. Or build a house. Not that one's wrong, they're both... They're just different. Treat her. And we know she's not weaker in intelligence. She's very capable, very smart. This is the bottom line. She is God's special creation that he built with his own hands and he wants her covered by her husband. Double coverage from God and her. He wants her loved unconditionally all the days of her life. Well, I'm single and I don't want a man. God's got a church family that will love you and be there for you. No one gets left out. But here's the, the key. When a husband gets this right, it says his prayers aren't hindered. How many prayers are hindered because the husband is not honoring his wife, not... Loving his wife, doing what God says to do, prayers are hindered. 
be bad and stand before God. And I just don't know what went wrong, God. Your prayers were hindered. You never honored your wife. You never loved your wife the way I told you to. So the husband is the aggressor. The wife is the responder. You can look at it in the natural. A man gives a woman a seed, the seed, and she will bring forth a baby. Give a woman a house, she'll bring forth a home. Give a, a, a woman some, a, a smile, she may give you her heart. Give her love and she will give you respect and honor. She takes the seed and she's fruitful and she multiplies. That's the way God designed her. Think about Jesus. He was the aggressor. He aggressively loved me when I didn't even know him. He, he saved me. He rescued me. came for me. He provided for me. He supplies all my needs. He's the aggressor in the relationship. Well, same thing for the man. All that Jesus asks is that we respond back. We respond back to him. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That word love there is agape or the aggressive, unconditional love of God. That's the way that the husband's commanded to love his wife. Now, does Jesus love us when we're doing right or does he love us all the time? Does he love us when we're perfect or does he love us all the time? Now, man, this is where it really takes some faith. You love her unconditionally when she burnt your food. <laughs> when she didn't clean the house. You love her aggressively, unconditionally when she treated you ugly. You can't respond back that way. You respond like Jesus does with love. It takes faith. But you know what you do when you do that? You're sowing. You're sowing a harvest. She will respond to that. She's a responder. When it talks about in Titus that the older women are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands, the word love there is friendship love or a responding love. The older women should teach the younger women this is the way that you love your husband. You respond to his unconditional love with respect and honor. She will respond. She's a responder. God made her that way. So husbands should be aggressive. And I mean more than just sex. You should be aggressive in, in forgiving and loving and protecting and providing. It's natural. It's a, it's a natural thing for a man to provide and protect. That's the reason... They don't put women on the front lines because all the men would protect the women out there on the front lines. It's a, it's a natural thing. We're built that way. We're built to provide. Well, you don't know my husband. He's not even working. He's, he's lazy. Well, he's going against his design because it's in us to work. It's in us to provide. It's in us to protect and that brings security. That brings peace. So we're to be the aggressor. He gives his life for her. Jesus gave his life for the church. Husband, you give your life for your wife. And she will respond and give hers back to you. So the husband is called to love his wife, protect her, provide all this is unconditionally. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't. It's, it's called faith. It's called God's Word. And you've got to understand this is what you're called to. And that will bring peace into your home. And pastor, you mean I cannot? You ought to hear her mouth. 
We'll stop joining in and be at peace. If you ever heard um, Joyce Meyer's testimony about her husband Dave, he was a perfect example of someone who would not retaliate but walked in love and won her heart to the Lord and to him. It's a great testimony. She tried to make him mad. She tried to get to him. He said, the Lord is my, my, my life. And he wasn't moved by it. He'd go play golf. She's home fuming, brooding. <laughs> he loved her in. He loved her into the kingdom. Great testimony. Jesus doesn't change his mind about us even when we act ugly. Pastor, I'd never act ugly. Well, even when you lie. <laughs> and then it, it talks about in uh, Ephesians 5.26, they may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing, the water by the word. We got to communicate or talk to her because that's the way she's designed. You have to make yourself and train yourself to talk. Because we as men just naturally don't talk. But we've got to do that because we're called to do that. To be the leader, spiritual leader. That spiritual leader means you should be the one initiating. Let's go to church. Let's, let's pray. Let's get in the Word. Let's do things God's way. It's the leader. You're the leader. You lead first in following what Jesus has called us to do and what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, I, I thank you for men of God that proved themselves to be men by following after you, by obeying you, by doing what you called us to do, and Lord, I thank you that there is supernatural help, supernatural supply from you to fulfill our role and responsibility as men. And God, I thank you that we have the perfect example, Jesus. And Lord, we're not perfect. But God, we can always be growing. We can always be moving towards what you've called us to be. This is the gold standard, your word. But Lord, we have to move towards it. We have to take some steps. I want all the husbands just stand up for a moment. And ladies, I know some of you are here, your husband's not here. Don't go home. I've taught this before. And a lady went home and said, Y'all, this is what Pastor Bob said at church. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. I, said, I told her. I said, Don't do that. I, this is what I actually told her. I said, I want you to do the opposite of that. I want you to go home and respect that. I want you to go home and say, Man, church was so awesome. And then go make love to him. That's what I told her. You know, he came to church. I said, man, there's something about this church. There's some love in this church. Amen. Man, just lift your hands. Father, as husbands, we stand before you. God, we, we look at your word, we hear what you say, and, and Lord, we see that we come up short. But we thank you for grace. We thank you for your strength and your ability. God, we call upon you for help, Lord, for understanding our wives. We ask for help, Lord, that we would be that leader and follow strong after you. 
would fulfill our responsibility and the role that we have in this marriage covenant, this marriage relationship. And Father, we repent for every place that we've been asleep at the wheel, every place that we've missed it. We repent, oh God, before you and say we don't want to be that way. And we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your cleansing. And God, we want to sow good things into our wife. We want to bless her. We want to encourage her. We want to lift the heavy loads. We want to communicate with her and talk to her. We want to let her, Lord, meditate and brood and incubate. We want to plant good things. And this precious gift, the most precious and greatest gift that we possess on this earth, that wife that you gave to us. We want to plant good things into her garden, into her life. And we thank you for a great harvest. And God, we will be, we will prove that we are men. We will be strong and courageous. There's one thing I know about men. We like a challenge. When you look at Jesus, there's our challenge. Stand up and be strong for him. Take the leadership in your family. If you're not leading, you're taking your wife's position. Stand up and be the leader she's looking for where she can be secure and be at peace. Love her like Christ loves the church. And you'll see a difference in your home. And we can move forward with the Lord. Father, I thank you for each of these men. Good men. Mighty men. And I thank you for your anointing and your grace upon their lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. 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 Let's give God thanks. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We got Papa over here, Naomi is here, and hallelujah, <laughs> John Flatman and Mandy, and so excited uh, for them. They had a shower yesterday without Mandy, but she did make it. Oh, I didn't think she was going to make it. That, she is a, a mighty woman of God, from the hospital to a shower, huh? <laughs> just about. God is good. He's good all the time. If you'll look in your seat and get that connection card, if you'll fill it out, if you'll mark on there. Oh, we haven't done, we got an important part we need to do. I got so wrapped up in the men, everybody shut your eyes. Saints be praying. I have a question for you. If you were to go home today, Lay your head on the pillow tonight and you were to never get up. You were to die. My question for you, would you go to heaven? Because your answer determines everything. It means everything. If your answer is, yes, I will go to heaven because I'm a good person. The Bible doesn't say because you're a good person, you go to heaven. So, well, I love God. The terrorists that flew into the Twin Towers at 9-11, the last thing they said from their mouths was, they love God. But it was the wrong God. And the wrong demonstration of love. Well, my parents, they're Christian, and they said I'm a Christian. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says, because your parents are Christian that that makes you a Christian. Or somebody calls you a Christian. Well, I believe in God. Well, the devil believes in God. But he's not getting saved. And someone has to honor you enough and value you enough and love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're thinking that way, you're not going to make it. You're not going to heaven. Jesus Christ said He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes before the Father except through Him. In, in John 3, it says, You must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. What's that mean? I'm going to tell you in a nutshell what that means. 
It means that you give all of your heart and all of your life to Jesus Christ. That's what it means. That's how you get to heaven. And maybe you never made that decision. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision. It's the greatest decision that you can make in this life. Maybe you made this decision before, but you, you're disconnected from God. And you know it. And maybe you've been running from God. Today's the day of salvation to get this thing settled. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Say, I want Jesus today. I'm going to give all my heart and all my life to Him. If that's you, right now, lift your hand. Lift it high and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Lord. Just lift it up. It says, not to be ashamed of Him. If you're ashamed of Him, He'll be ashamed of you. Any other hands? See those hands. One, two, any others four Jesus loves you he died for you to be a part of his family thank you Lord we're going to pray a prayer together all you that lifted your hands pray this prayer from your heart you pray it from your heart it means you belong to him let's all pray saints say dear father thank you for Jesus Christ who came and died and paid the price for all my sin every place I missed it Jesus died for me thank you that he went to a cross and there he shed his blood that I could be a part of the family of God right now I give all of my heart in all of my life to Jesus Christ. I'll follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.